2: You're listening to a podcast from The Word.
3: Well, we're getting to the last uh, section of tonight's show. Um, A few months ago, a book came out um, called uh, Great Lost Albums. And reading from the back, thrilling, legendary, made up, it says here. The albums include Bob Dylan's uh, imaginary collaboration with Liberace, Joy Division's musical theatre period... (laughs) The Who's magisterial abandoned rock opera bingo wizard and Kraftwerk's Hasted, hastily deleted Christmas album and many, many more. Actually, also, noticed written on the back, it says, a shocking treasure trove of hidden gems. It gets funnier and funnier. Mark Ellen. So I must have read it, read it before it came out. But uh, I'm going to bring up and let them explain this complicated and fantastically funny book. Two of the most successful and revered crime writers in this country, Mark Billingham and Martin Waits. This is like the, this is like the Graham Norton show now. isn't You have to... I'm going to get on Taylor Swift and John Cleese in a minute. Let's start the show. (laughs) This is Mark Billingham on the left here, and this is Martin on the right. Fantastic. So could one of you explain, I mean, firstly, how this came about? Uh, Four of you, there are two other authors. Yes. And if I remember rightly, you told me that... You'd had an idea, and that uh, I don't know how that idea came about. You can explain that, but you were then sent off to a pub or a hotel for an entire weekend and filled to the brim with booze by a potential yeah, publisher. That, that's and pretty they much said, it. keep
2: going. Come on, yeah. Well, yeah. Ma- Martin and I had done a gig somewhere uh, up north, and uh, we're on a long train journey back and start. And it may even have been the Beatles market, it may even have been the Beatles we what would a great Lost Beatles album be like? What would the you know, an album the Beatles never made or made and never got released hmm. for some reason? And we started just trying to be funny about it and made each other laugh for about two and a half hours and got off this train and went, there's a book in this.
1: <laughs> can, I, can I say, we, we tried to make each other laugh. Yeah. Um, we did have an awfully large space around us on the train. <laughs> yeah, that was about By that. the time we actually got back to London. Um, I think it was actually Morrissey, wasn't it? Was it? Mor- great I lost it was the great-lost Morrissey album. Was, it? it was when, um, when Morrissey's um, autobiography had just been released and we'd just bought it. Um, and we'd started off just, just quoting bits to each other on the train. In as fey and Mancunian the voices we could manage, um, which then led us to to kind of what would the great Morrissey lost reggae album sound like? And oddly, oddly, the great lost Morrissey reggae album
2: was one that didn't make it for legal reasons. Legal reasons. Yeah, uh, because one of the other authors in, of the book is Dave Quantic, who has been sued by oh Morrissey God, at it. least twice, I think. <laughs> um, we know and, that. And, so. And we'll so pass we pass over that story. Yeah. No, well, the great lost Morrissey album, Ragapolari, the great lost Morrissey reggae <laughs> album, was was actually in the delivered manuscript and they went, the legal people at the publisher just went, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no.
0: So, uh, so but you, you proposed a number of, of combinations. Oh, oh well, that's oh, <laughs>
1: he's family. in there they our
0: Costello theme this the
1: two best backing singers he ever yeah. had as I don't well know why I look
2: so miserable I've never been happier in my
0: life I <laughs> I was like, look
1: I'm with Elvis You got. Uh, spot. I, think I, took I took that s- photograph didn't I? you did yeah, you yeah, took that, you that, took
0: that so, yeah. picture of the
3: bowels of Abbey Road viewers okay. can you spot
0: the person in the picture who's given up drink
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes clutching his yeah. bottle of water yeah 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 so that was a great moment for you. It, was, it? A yeah, huge, it was a huge moment. Huge, huge. But I mean, so it was this idea of trying to come up with. So, so basically, we came up with this idea on this train, and we went, "Who else can write it?" So, we, Dave Quantick, who we knew. A, A as a uh, music, ex music journalist, and B as an incredibly funny writer. So we'll get him on board, and, and, and he's uh, cheap. as well. And he's cheap. So, yeah, and another ex music journalist and crime writer called Stav Sherez. And so the four of us got together, and the publisher sent us away, as you said we're to sent a brilliant. We got like, sent away yeah. to this hotel like Monty in Hastings, Python going off to write. Yeah, you know, it essentially, like was we got sent yeah. away for a long boozy weekend where we had to come up with 50, 50, 50 albums, albums, yeah, and then we divided them up between ourselves and went away, went away. And we now you
0: propose various <laughs> partnerships. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, yeah. Uh, the, the Dylan, the, the Dylan the Liberace, Liberace album. album. Yeah. Yes. Las Tell Vegas us, uh,
2: Skyline. Then, uh, I'm, I've missed this one. Tell us about this. Well, this is Las Vegas Skyline, which is... Because some of the albums we'd, we'd known about for years, because there were rumours on the internet, that kind of thing. There's, some came to us as a complete surprise. But the, but Las Vegas Skyline was one we'd known about. And Dylan <laughs> Dylan in, uh, had gone to see Presley. He'd gone to see Elvis in, in Vegas and uh, had got the date wrong. Vegas was at, Elvis wasn't actually there that weekend, so he ended up going to see Liberace. Um... <laughs> Who and Liberace? His mum, Dylan's mum, was a big fan of Liberace, uh, so they got talking, and they, you know, the, the next thing you know, that a studio is booked, and Dylan turns up, and Liberace turns up. and Everybody thinks it's going to be, you know, a travesty, and this wonderful album merges. This wonderful album, some great tracks on it. Um, Tangled up in a blue velveteen jumpsuit <laughs> yeah. is one of them. Um, the mighty queen. There's all yeah. sorts of there's all sorts of great great tracks on this I album. Mean, you know, they never mentioned it again. It was never referred to again. Uh, Liberace, Liberace took to wearing a little sort of leather cap (laughs) <laughs> like
0: Dylan, a little rhinestone-covered... Oh, yeah, right. rhinestone a little rhinestone-covered great yeah, yeah, it's a, a mm. crash. And a, it's Bob a Dylan's album. next record is a Frank Sinatra's cover uh, well, record. Well, you yeah. know, he'd work with everybody, so why not work with Liberace? It, so it worked really well. The, this ah. 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 is one of my favourites.
2: So, yeah. Explain is... this. Well, this is David Icke and Tina Turner, <laughs> um, which... <laughs> the record that it should have happened. Why didn't the, it happen? Well, it did well, well, happen. It did, it did happen. The album happened. Uh, basically, Tina Turner's manager is sitting around one night. You know, Tina had fallen on sort of hard times. She'd been very big for a while, and then suddenly, you she know, where's she going to go? She's lost direction. He sees this Terry Wogan interview with this guy and goes, she needs to team up with somebody controversial. Uh, at the same time, David Icke needs to spread his very vital message about the Godhead and re- <laughs> a reptilian <Yeah>. conspiracy. <laughs> and he thinks the way to reach the kids is through music. So basically, David Icke... And Tina Turner get put <laughs> get put together, and they make this album "Conspiracy of Love," uh, which has some which has some amazing stuff on it. I mean, it's quite clear that Tina is a bit lost, and she thinks she's making some kind of soundtrack to a lost Mad Max movie. She doesn't quite know what's happening, but she makes this album. Um, the, the 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 reason there are so many reasons these albums never get released: legal reasons, artistic yeah, see, reasons. Yeah. This one never got released because David Ike and Tina Turner could never quite figure out a name for their act
1: I don't quite know why I don't quite know why but they never came up with a name for the collaboration and it never got released I mean but there's, there's, there's a few that we came across that were like that I mean MC Hammer and Jimmy Nail yeah they couldn't you know, they, they could, just again uh, mm. what are we going to call ourselves oh, what, are gonna call
2: what are we going to call ourselves never knew what else you got on there oh, oh Freddy, Freddy. Yeah. real picture it is
1: it does, it does. <laughs> that hair is just that not real is like... it Think, this is one the of our favourites. It, it was real when he bought it, wasn't it? I think
2: it's... Uh, <laughs> this was one of the favourites. This, this is a yeah. cracker. Because, because basically Queen had blown everybody away at Live Aid. They'd been, they'd been massive at Live Aid. But had slightly lost their way in terms of reaching real people on record. And Freddie was looking for a new direction. a new And it, and it occurred by way of a bizarre accident. Uh, at one of Freddie Mercury's birthday parties, he tripped over a, one of his cocaine dwarves. Um... <laughs> He had these dwarves with, with cocaine on, them, and he tripped over one of them while reaching no for Jaffa Cake. No legal problem with this, of course. No. Uh, apparently. <laughs> with the departed, oh, I forgot this was being the recorded. D- dwarves um, are dead. Allegedly, there were these cocaine dwarves, and he was reaching for Jaffa Cake, and he <laughs> tripped over one of the dwarves and got poked in the eye. Now. It's a matter of some debate as to what poked him in the eye. It
1: is, yes, yeah.
2: Brian may insist it was a very big sausage on a stick, but something poked Freddie in the eye, and he lost, he lost eyesight in one eye briefly, and he had this kind of revelation about using kind of uh, optical problems, glaucoma, uh, blindness, whatever it was, as a kind of way to reach people. And they made this album, which was going to complete the trilogy of, of an, uh, A Night at the Opera Day at the Races, An Afternoon at the Opticians. Uh, <laughs> And they made this, this. They made this great album. Um, it, was, it was fraught with problems from, from day one because Freddie insisted that in order to really experience. Uh, problems with eyesight, the band had to record with bags over their heads. So, not just the band, the producers. Roy Thomas Baker's got a bag over his head, the engineer's got a bag over his head. So, when you listen to it, it's you, you know, you hear Freddie falling into Roger's drum kit, you hear Roger going, Mind where you're fucking going, Freddie. There's also, but some of the tracks, some of the tracks, Blurred Vision is a cracker, uh, I see a little silhouetto, uh, I see a massive silhouetto. Um, the, 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 the worst track on the album, it Brian Brian's kind of fourteen minute prog Odyssey, Cataracts on the Window of My Soul <laughs> is a little bit of a bummer. But again, to hear the that album that's is great. is is a great thing. And, and so, so that's the Lost Queen album. That's the Lost
3: yeah. Queen album. Oh, Christmas. oh crap. The, the
1: a Christmas, the, the Christmas album, Transpolar Express. Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> Because it, it came about... I mean, it's quite simple when you think about it, that, that Kraftwerk and Santa have a lot in common. They both have... They both see things as commodities and production lines. Um, you know, they see themselves as... The, we are the elves, as um, as one of the tracks has yeah. it. And there's also the, the haunting 14-minute one, I wish to return this item. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's not just looking at Christmas, it's looking at the aftermath of Christmas as well. And um, it... it, it throws quite an illuminating night on them. You know, something which, um, you know, they, they never actually repeated again. I think that... Um, I think they played it to Eno. They, they, played, it to they Eno played it to Eno and, Eno and, and Bowie. And Bowie, yeah. And, and they and both loved it. Actually, they
2: loved it. They loved it. So yeah. Kraftwerk so immediately bo- boiled the tapes up for soup. Yeah, and uh, and so the album was never released. Yeah, but it's a, it's a, it's one of the best it's Christmas albums. You. you can forget Motown Christmas album. This is the yeah, Christmas album you want. that's
0: the one to get. Mm.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Ah. Oh, lovely. Hanoi Vera. Hanoi Vera. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Basically,
2: Vera Vera had had, had uh, you know she got she grew tired of Women's Institute lunches and that kind of thing, and she longed to be this is in the late sixties. She longed to be the forces' sweetheart again. So she hit upon this idea of going out to Vietnam. Um, <laughs> To entertain American GIs, and for a while it worked. And she made a great album to go with it. She brought in Mr. Rackerbilk, Mr. Max Bygraves. You know, on some of the some of the, some of the tracks, it's very unlikely we'll meet again. Was one of the ones. Uh, <laughs>
0: there'll
2: be M16s over the White Cliffs That's of Dover. That bit, kind yeah. of. Them. There were some great albums on there. Yeah. Full knitted jacket. That was one of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but
1: she then, so she went out
2: there, and unfortunately, I love the smell she, of Earl
1: grey in the morning. Yeah, that, that was, was a one nice one. Them, one. Yeah.
2: She she went she went out to the latrines one afternoon and was basically taken by the VC. <laughs> and she disappeared, and then rumours started to circulate about this very feared inf- VC enforcer in mm. black pyjamas and a kind of bamboo hat who would interrogate captured American GIs while listening to The Archers a and making jam sh- and this kind of, scenery, of stuff. And yeah. I mean, she went rogue. She basically went rogue and, 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 and you know, was, was you know, in deep country for a, a long time. And they sent various showbiz, showbiz figures out. They sent Harry Seacom out. Mm. Uh, to try and bring her back, Well, he went
1: river to try and, and coax her back, you <laughs> know? Um, and it um, it failed. You know, I mean, in fact, there, there was a documentary made later because um, um, Francis Ford Coppola did yeah. make a film of it, "Sweethearts
2: of Darkness." "Sweethearts
1: did. of Darkness," yes, and. Um, <laughs> You know, you can actually, if you actually see that that documentary of it, you know, you see Dennis Hopper yeah. um, talking on the documentary saying, they said Seekum, man. They said fucking Seekum. Yeah. And, um, you know, yeah. they, they send Harry Seekum up there. But as he said, you know, he, he confronted her. Um, she blew a raspberry at him and told him to fuck off. So. Um, Rumour has it. They they did try Catherine Jenkins after that, though, rumour has it.
2: Oh, look at him.
1: Oh, yeah. That's a Look at him.
2: The uncle of Funkle. Yes. (laughs) There he is. The godfather of soul. Basically, this is an album called Angel's Delight, which was Mm. basically, again, mid-'80s, late-'80s, 88. He just released Living in America. The follow-up, Still Living in America, hadn't done very well. Uh, (laughs) And and he... James couldn't get arrested, except in the literal sense of literally being arrested. Yeah. which he was by, by the Aiken County Police Department in South Carolina who, who arrested him for being in possession of angel dust and wonky hair. And he got arrested and basically was, he, he, he was ashamed. I mean, he, was, he didn't like it. He was up in court and he said, say it loud, I'm ashamed and I'm proud. And the judge pointed out that you couldn't be ashamed and proud. Um, so he said, okay, I'm, I'm proud and I'm not proud. And the judge said, okay, 80 minutes community service, which meant making an album. So he he went up onto the roof of the court building and shone an afro-shaped beacon into the sky, and his house band came in, and they made made the funkiest album in the history of the world on angel dust. And it's the most... It's the funkiest... I mean, it's actually dangerous to listen to. Because you will just dissolve in a, in a pool of funk. It's quite... It's quite... The track's like, Don't Make Me Funky, You Wouldn't Like Me When I'm Funky. That guy... It's, it's so fucking funky, this album. I mean, look at him. Look at the state of him. Uh, and this is before. This is before the angel dust. This is well.
1: You no, know, this is when he's straight. Well, I yes, mean, and, and also... I mean, it, it, it did all end badly when he, he, he ran into his old dealer, um, Huggy Terrifying Bear, yeah. Who gave him some even stronger angel dust, the Gabriel dust, um, which then forced him to destroy the album? Um, so you know, it, it was it was one of those rumored things that you've heard of for years, but you never actually come round to hearing it. Uh, although some of the track listings there, you've got.
2: Yeah, I've got some of the track listing. Get on up. I feel like being a warthog. No, that that kind of thing. Oh, I feel good. Wait, uh, I feel amazing. Wait. <laughs> I don't feel very well. It's that kind of thing. <laughs> it's the, some of the some of the tracks. Some of the you, you need to you need to listen to individual you, you, tracks. You
0: do propose a, a great lost progressive album. Oh, by, oh uh, yes, oh I do. We're a very populous group. With a is that well? It, it was
2: it, it's it's the greatest lostest progist album in the history of Prague, Basically, in about in 1973, about, 1974, Steve Hillidge uh, gathered together the greatest collection of, of progressive rock musicians in, in, in history. I mean, every member who'd ever, you know, been a member of Genesis and Floyd and Jethro Tull and Gong and King Crimson and everybody. And he, he puts them into the studio and, and, and they ended up making Dodecahedron was, was the album, a 20-sided album. Um, <laughs> A a dodecahedron, of course, is only a twelve-sided album. He's only a twelve-sided object, and the bass player of Caravan did try to point that out at the time and said, "Actually, dodecahedron is twelve sides, and icosahedron is twenty sides." But they were all too stoned, and nobody gave a fuck. So they so they made dodecahedron a twenty-sided album, one track, only one 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 track, track, one track.
1: But but you couldn't get oh the 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 sleeve. sleeve. Well, that's it. you, you, you had to actually, if you wanted to hear the album, you had to solve a series of riddles, uh, <laughs> Kabbalistic symbols that were on there, um, arrange them all in, in the correct order, which would then unlock the first side of the first album, and you'd play that, and then you'd subsequently do this for all the rest of them. It was, it was probably Hypnosis's biggest masterpiece in creating this sleeve. Um, unfortunately... Uh, by the time anybody had actually taken the time to to unlock uh, twenty sides of this, uh, punk had appeared and nobody was interested. <laughs> yeah, and th- th- there were there were some there were some physical problems. Ah, well, come
2: on to him in a minute. A minute. Um, basically, there were some there was some there were some issues. There were there were the famous flute wars that existed during the recording of that album. There was a big flute solo, like a fourteen minute flute solo. Gabriel, Peter Gabriel said, "I'm having that." Ian Anderson said, no, you're not. I'm having that. Um, and they, started, you know, they tried to set... They had flute, uh, sort of flute off, and that still wouldn't settle it. Uh, and, and, and it turned into fisticuffs. And Ian Anderson went, your hair looks stupid with that little bit shaved out the middle like a lawnmower. Oh, Gabriel. Yes. And Gabriel said, look, I'm not the guy that stands on one leg. Don't give me that. And Gabriel puts his dukes up, all very public school. And Anderson just nuts him. And it got... You know, I mean, it, it, you know, it, it, there were there were a lot of you know. Um, I think Bro- uh, Robert Frick got a very nasty Chinese burn off, <laughs> off Roger Waters at one point. This was the trickiest. This is this is perhaps the trickiest oh, album in the whole yes, book. Yes, as, as I said, because the legal the legal issues. But.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we did manage to to get the uh, the Morrissey Panto album, uh, Frankly, Widow Twankly, <laughs> um, which um, Morrissey said he wanted to to um, base it on his his love of of something traditionally British, traditionally English, so he chose pantomime. It was pointed out to him that it was, was actually a bastardisation of the Italian commedia dell'arte uh, by an interviewer. Um, the interviewer was subsequently spanked by a wet slipper um, by Morrissey, wielded by Morrissey. Um, so he's had a lot
2: of lost albums. I mean, he, he once famously was adver- just finished an album and then retired to his bed for three months because Alan Bennett walked by on the other side of the street without waving. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and he made a whole album with Tony Visconti yeah. that, was then, was, that was then abandoned because Tony Visconti bought a bag of, bag of pork scratchings, which Morrissey yeah. wasn't happy with, and that was abandoned. Uh, and this had a very short shelf life, Frankly Widow Twankly, because yeah. of a, of an incident when it went live. I mean, they, they made a great album. Christopher Biggins was brought in as producer. As producer yeah. Um, um,
1: the Crankies. The Crankies. Um, the Crankies were the Chinese. John Barrowman, men. John Inman. Um, there were l- it was, a great, it, was, it was a great piece of theatre. Charles Hawtrey, heavily refreshed Charles Hortry. But Charles Hawtrey was the genie of the lamp. With, the genie of the that, lamp. That classic track, uh, The More You Rub Me, The Closer I Get. Yeah, there's some a classic um, song. Um,
2: how Soon Is the Interval. How, how soon, soon Is the, the interval, interval was another one. one. Yes.
1: Um, um, <laughs> but at the, he insisted
2: that during the famous cake-making scene, they only used lentils. And then at the moment, when they threw the sweets out to the children, of course, Morrissey wouldn't throw the sweets out because they contained gelatin, gelatin. And then he blinded a child with a stick of celery. <laughs> uh, so. And the whole album was, was very hasty. Abandoned, which is a shame because there's some there's some very great, there's some very good stuff on it.
0: Now, moving from the the world of lost the hours up to, stuff,
2: from, <laughs> this is life imitating.
0: Well, well I'm yeah. just intrigued by there You know, you're talking talking about dodecahedron or whatever. You know who this is? Mm. Mm. That's that's centipede, isn't it? C- that is Keith Tippett's centipede <laughs> yes. in the early seventies. <laughs> And it's not even the full lineup. Yeah. There are there are members that couldn't actually make it there. Yeah, uh, extraordinary stuff. It's presumably they're meant to be fifty people, two feet each. Is that rather? I suppose of, it probably were. People people yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, very early Photoshop here going on. He's clearly he's not he's he's not there for the session at all. <laughs> okay. No, but uh, we we were we were looking for examples of of. Uh, of of kind of things in pop music so ludicrous you, you simply couldn't make them up. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and there they are. Oh, and there, there they are. They <laughs> are. This is oh, just you, a few <laughs> supergroups. Andy a Taylor's hair. Photo. Yeah. So
2: ludicrous you couldn't make it up. That, Look
0: at that, that. That is, you know, we're talking <laughs> about supergroups, Mark and I, and uh, and that is, does anybody remember Power Station? Yeah.
3: But actually, yeah. they played Live Aid with, with Michael Dez By that stage, um, Robert Palmer, second for the left, had left the group, whose career was so... But it's just like you will be so fatuous, the whole thing. His career was so down the dumper that he joined this group, and then they gave him the success to go off and get a solo album, and he then left and uh, just left them in the lurch and didn't play Live Aid. So, so the whole thing was just. Uh, Bernard Edwards isn't it, on the left. No, it's John, not no, no, Bernard Edwards. No, it's uh, Tony Thompson. Uh, no, it's the Tony great Tony Thompson.
0: The drummer. The late Tony Thompson. Mm. Uh, but, you know, what a state. I what know. is going on here? <laughs> Robert. I know. Robert, cr- clearly on his way to a wedding. You know, can I. <laughs> And he drop in briefly. But what I found out today, what I was reminded of today when getting out this picture, was that this group was only formed in, in response to the fact that the three guys at the front of the group had, let, had started their own supergroup called. Oh, you may want to avert your eyes at this point. Arcadia, Arcadia, oh, Arcadia. look oh. at that. <laughs> <letter>. <laughs> Now, doesn't that make you, you know, reassess any excesses in the in the Grand dressing? And the are going to
1: be livid to know that they've had their duvets nicked, aren't they? <laughs> <I mean. laughs> I know. That, that is appalling, isn't it?
0: And so, and we're looking for other super groups. What about this? Anybody know who that is? That is the new Kids on the Block plus the Bank plus Street the bank Boys. boys
3: kob B2B or something, okay, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Somebody decided that they should, you know, take their very different styles and somehow see if yeah. they can mesh them <laughs> to to produce, <laughs> you know, some uh, some exciting new hybrid and. Uh, now, oh, this, come on! Just tell me remember. This is the worst supergroup
3: I think <laughs> oh, ever. Ever can it? Can there be a worse one? <laughs> yes, there this is. This is called Free. Oh, this I is Freebase. This, this is Freebase. Free free yeah. And the whole concept of Freebase was that three, frankly, out of work but celebrity-based guitarists. their own group, which is that's Manny Boundfield of the of the Stone Roses on that. Actually, of Primal Scream. Sorry, at the time, Andy Rourke, I think, of the Smiths, and that's called Hookey of uh, of New Order. And they were all out of work and thought, "Mm." what the world needs is three bass (laughs) guitars in one band. We just get a drummer and it's going to be brilliant. And and then, I mean, it just went so badly rolled in. I can't remember, they fell out so They fell out so spectacularly.
2: Apparently, the, the guy from the Stone Roses said... You could see Peter Hook's wallet from space. Yes, that's right. It was it was so filled with Ian Curtis's blood, blood money. money. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Oh, they're yeah. going to they're going to get on well in the rehearsal yes, room, aren't, so
0: aren't they? So re- relations at that point were really strained. <laughs> so you're saying that's you're that. saying
2: they were not the worst supergroup. You were about no, to... the, the worst supergroup. I'm sure you've got them up here. Is is is, is, is super heavy? Oh have you got yes, super oh, heavy. Oh, oh, they're oh, they're oh they're there, they're they're there they are. There yes. Yes. Now, th- remind us yourselves, those
3: gentlemen. Is it Damien Marley I think Marley's son on the left that's Dave Stewart mentioned earlier uh, yeah. that's Jagger obviously that is a guy called R.A. R- 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 Rahman Rahman he? yes, he's yeah. the kind of the Mozart of of uh, of Bomb- music. of Bombay of yeah. Indian music and that's Josh Stone you know, <laughs> I, I, I can remember the PR ringing me up when I was at Word magazine and said got a fantastic news story Bernard Doherty I've been mean, doing a really good job actually of selling this and you're just thinking this, this is just like a terrible dream I just do it. It's, it's actually just like it's just literally a living page from oh, yeah, your book. You start making shit up like, know, for, for cannot, a funny book, the and then you this can't stuff comes make out.
2: Stuff no, more, no. No. We've got rock ballads, we've got reggae, we've got Indian music, we've got Joss Stone. Got Joss it's like Oak. names in a hat. Yeah. Right, we've got a super group. We've got Peter Gabriel with Cheryl Cole and <laughs> Chaz and Dave. <laughs> I mean, actually, it's
0: nonsense, isn't it? It's just nonsense. Has there ever been a, a supergroup? Who gave as much pleasure to the audience as they gave to the members of the group? <laughs> <laughs> no, they like, you. Know, it's like companies. Companies merge That's for, the for their own agendas, yeah. not for mm. the not for the public no, at all. I, you, you go and see a supergroup. You're never. You're guaranteed to be shortchanged on what you're expecting. Oh, you! Because you've gone for two
1: of them. You're lining yourself up for massive disappointment. You are. I mean, the, there was. The, I don't know. If you, you haven't got Asia on there, have you? I mean, the, <laughs> no. The the, the, the the great Yes Buggles supergroup, which again <laughs> oh, sounds yeah, like yeah. something from out of our book, but no. Jeff Downs, no, Jeff probably Downs probably, and, watch, and yeah.
3: Steve Howe. Yeah. But oh. this. What? I just remembered that today because again, as a, as a, a, a magazine editor, I guess got I, I got to <laughs> be across all of this stuff. This was a concept cooked up by Dave Stewart again. In about 2004, and actually looking back at it, it wasn't very successful. But it's a, man it was a, lot its a man with a lot of time was on. A man with a lot of time was hands. David Stewart invented a group called Platinum Weird. And uh, he then invented an entire backstory about this group, which they put on the internet with fake fan sites. There was a documentary pulling in all these famous friends. A mockumentary. There mock-y- was soldiers documentary with you know people like Mick Jagger talking about. I remember platinum weird. They're amazing. You know all this sort
2: of stuff and all and members of Fleetwood Mac talking about the lost tapes. It's
3: just like your book. Well, well, that the woman
2: there is Erin Grace, which is not really Erin Grace. She's an actress or whatever. pretending to be. And Grace, who was this one that Dave Stewart invented, yep. who was about to be the big thing. And then was so heartbroken and, and fruck out by the death of Nick Drake. This is a part of the backstory. That That's she it. runs off with Elton John's boyfriend. Yeah. Runs off to a Los Angeles where, where Don Henley introduces her to Lindsay Buckingham. That's it. They have a relationship which becomes the basis for the album Rumours. This was the whole backstory that was invented and became so part detailed. of this. It's
3: so detailed that at one point, I think, they find an old platinum weird tape and put it on. And they notice that she's singing the words before she's heard them. And they think you must have been in this group. <laughs> you are the lost singer, I and mean, it's so complicated, isn't it? And uh, yeah, yeah Stewart, The, the public sake. doesn't really like that kind of thing. The, does the public voted John, with Johnny their feet. Public, they yeah. ran in the opposite direction. Because
0: oh, oh, yeah, yeah. oh, something similar happened with this. Who's that? How many people know who does that anybody is? Anybody remember who, who, that knows that knows is? who that is? Who knows who that is? Brooks. Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks reinvented himself as Chris Gaines. You know, came out with a very complicated backstory because he didn't want to be the boring, one-dimensional, hat-wearing cowboy star. And the American record-buying public, with one voice, said, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> well, it was a movie. It was supposed to be, the be a fuck movie. Off.
2: There was a. Mo- <laughs> It was there was a movie that he was in about, called The Lamb. The movie I know that the movie is called The Lamb. I don't think it was an adaptation of The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. But there was an album called The Lamb that, featuring this character Chris Gaines. And so to create buzz for the movie. They got Garth to become this character and released this like pop rock album. And a publicist at the time very famously said, you know, that the American public didn't just not like it, they actually thought he'd lost his mind.
1: Yeah. They Hopefully thought he'd bad. gone mad.
2: And he features in this. I have he, to, is. He, he is in. He, uh, the, the Garth Books made an album called Complete and Utter Country. Um <laughs> <laughs> Please. He he accidentally went into the studio one day, and on some mix he was on some kind of medication or something. I think he, he'd sat on a Grammy. And, and injured himself and he was on antibiotics and he'd drunk and he, and he went to studio and he made the greatest country music in, album in the history of country music. He was channelling Hank Williams. He made this amazing album and of course his fans were horrified and he was horrified that he'd made this amazing country album and he and he disowned it immediately. But, but you know, completely not a country he's out there on, on bootlegs. No, no, you can't make
0: it but who'd have thought that was... Oh, now, uh, now. This was a super group who we were genuinely fantastic actually. Yeah, they they were? Were. And also, I think that's the exception it really is the, the exception, real. because yeah. uh,
3: what they shouldn't have done, actually probably, is to have made a second, actually they didn't produce a second album, they had, there are two albums, volume there was volume one and volume three. volume three, yeah. it's brilliant, volume there was no volume two, but they probably shouldn't have made it, it wasn't quite as good, but it still was a really great record, and they got really involved in it, and they all had their names, it was Lefty Wilbury, I think it was Dylan, was it, Otis was, I can't remember who now, Jeff Lynn, and they all had their little names, and they all invented little fictional characters, and actually it was a fantastic record,
1: it was brilliant. Mm. I think at uh, the time, that a lot of them had done their best stuff. For years, yeah. when they actually did the travelling Probably world-based. the old sense do you, of they, competition.
0: Mark, nah, you know, don't you, well, you think also that, that what happened here, particularly with George, <clears> was they just desperately, sentimentally wanted to be in a group again, didn't they? They wanted to be in a group and they wanted to be
2: with each other. And uh, they, I mean, it, it came about for the best reasons, which was they didn't
3: plan it. You know, if you plan it, like all these supergroups you've mentioned, they're all the bad, the products have a really bad evening out, aren't they? <laughs> you know? Um, whereas these guys, they're just, just hanging around together and they did a track and, well, that worked, let's do a few more. And then, then they had an
1: album.
0: But it's also that thing about, guys, people being in groups, they, they, they just get very used to being groups, yeah. don't they? They're very socialised in groups. They get nervous when they're outside groups.
3: Yeah, um, they'd all been, I mean, Jeff Lynne, ILO had broken up quite a few years by that point hadn't they so they're all doing stuff on their own and obviously I think the Heartbreakers were still together weren't
1: they yeah. I think at the Heartbreakers point, but... had been working with Roy Orbison at the time yeah because um... I think when they had the idea of the group they then, they then approached Roy Orbison and he said yes and then they went to see a gig and I know that I was reading some of the Tom Petty and George Harrison was sitting there all excited, saying, "Isn't he great? He's in our band." Yeah. <laughs> well, you would, wouldn't Which, you? But, yeah, yeah. I know, but you never you think would, you of would. people who have been in groups like that getting excited because yeah, somebody he was else is big done. star for all of them. Royal, yeah, absolutely. Dylan was going, "I'm in
3: a It's the only band. Is it the only band Dylan's ever been in? Uh, as as an equal member. As an equal member, yeah. Well, it's could yeah, it well
0: is. be. Yeah. So we decided that they're, they're the group that, that uh, you know, exception that proves the rule, the rule. Absolutely. Uh, about about supergroups. Well, look, we've been talking for nearly two hours now, you know. Good God. I've look, got a home oh to go Lord. to. Lord. These Dave advertised this show would end at nine o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to be in bed And, like and These good people have certainly got <laughs> yes. homes to go to. Uh, but but I'm, I'm sure we shall should, we should, we should be in the bar for individual consultations, book signings, and so forth. Well, would you for now? Would you thank Mark Lewison, Mark Billingham, and Martin Thuay. Wait, sorry. <laughs> wait? Wait, sorry. Wait, wait, wait. Thank you very much for coming.
2: This podcast is brought to you by the Word.